Welcome, everybody, to Behind the Ops. I am your host, Kyle Oberholzer. Today, we have a very special guest. Uh, We have from Stanley Black & Decker, uh, Sophia. Sophia, do you want to tell us a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, of course. So, hi, everybody. My name's Sophia. I have been with Stanley Black & Decker for about two and a half years now, I would say, including my internship. I did a dual degree program with Stonehill College for three years, and then I transferred over to University of Notre Dame for the other two. I majored in physics and mechanical engineering. It was a great experience. I really wanted to become an engineer, so in order to do that, I had to stay strong throughout my school experience. I had to keep up my GPA. It was really hard, but relating back to that, the work life is definitely way easier than school for me. So while I was sitting in class at Notre Dame, one of my classmates came up to me and asked me if I was interested in a program here at Stanley Black & Decker with an internship. And he happened to be from Massachusetts as well. So of course, I was interested. So that's how I got involved with uh, Stanley. And I started here back in 2020. I started here in the summer, got welcomed back in the winter as a manufacturing engineer, and then I got hired on as a continuous improvement engineer full-time. Yeah, that's actually really interesting. So you say you were in a dual degree program. Did you kind of go into that thinking, yeah, I want to go into these you know, two degrees, I want to go into mechanical engineering and physics, thinking that uh, I want to go into manufacturing, or was this kind of more you found a manufacturing later? How did you really um, plan out that path? Yeah, so when I when it came time to choose my career path and what I wanted to do in life, I honestly had no idea. But I chose engineering just because it is a broad field. A lot of people were telling me, if you do engineering, you can honestly go anywhere. You're not limited to anything. You can join any company and the opportunities are endless. So when I actually first started my school career, I went into computer engineering. I was really into just coding and programs and building apps and stuff like that. But those classes were a little bit hard for me because I would have to sit behind a screen in a test room and just code for two hours and get graded on it. And that wasn't the type of route that I wanted to go just because I needed to maintain a GPA in order to even get my engineering degree. So if I stuck with computer engineering, I wouldn't have gotten that GPA. So it's not because I was, wasn't was good at it. It was because the classes and the professors themselves were just very difficult. So I went the mechanical engineering route. I honestly had no idea what I wanted to do with my degree. But when I was introduced to manufacturing, it was amazing because when you go into the manufacturing environment, there's just so many things you can touch and you can see the product that's being made from the starting point to the end point and the opportunities here are endless as well. So that's kind of how I got into manufacturing. I do want to point out that during my education, I was never really introduced to manufacturing in my classes. Mm -hmm. But if I could go back, I would definitely tell my professors, like, why don't you guys teach us about manufacturing and the process that goes behind it? Because it's honestly the coolest thing about engineering to me is just how things are made, the process that goes into it and everything like that. Yeah, funny. I kind of followed a similar route myself. But focusing on manufacturing and engineering is something that I don't think a lot of people really get an exposure to unless they kind of look for it. 
When you were going to your SBD internship then, were you looking for just something engineering or were you saying, I want to go to SBD to start doing manufacturing? Like when did that light bulb really click that this is kind of what you wanted to do? Yeah, so as a mechanical engineering background in school, I thought I'd be like working very hands-on with design. So when I joined, um, that's kind of what I got into. I did a lot of designing fixtures and designing transportation carts for the factory workers to use. And that's kind of how I got into my background because when I went up to operators and I asked, hey, why is this assembly taking you too long? Why are you transporting your material too long? And they would say, well, it's because I don't have this transportation card available to me, or I don't have this fixture available to me. So it was kind of fun because the interns and I would just sit in a room and brainstorm of how to redesign something. What's the best way to do it? So we got into like the design aspect of manufacturing, which was pretty cool, but I was never introduced to what I'm introduced to now as a full-time. I'm very involved in the process now. So that's kind of my background as an intern. Neat. Transportation cars and things are really invisible. Was there anything special that you had to do or consider when you were designing newer transportation carts and other invisible kind of things like that? Yeah. So we redesigned a door transportation cart in SolidWorks that they use to transport these Mac doors for the cabinets. Mm -hmm. So previously they were just putting them on a pallet and putting like a cardboard top on top of a door and just stacking the doors on top of doors. But what we did was we created just a cart that had seven levels where you could just slide the door in and the door doesn't interfere with anything on top of it. It like improved the quality of the work and also the safety of the manufacturing employees because they no longer had to drag around these pallets that weren't even secured on anything. But now if you slide them into the transportation cart, it's just very easy and simple. Right, right. So then is that something that was like deployed? Did you like design that and then now it's, you know, in every single place or was this more in kind of a test bed setting? No, the cool thing about it was we designed it and it was actually manufactured here in our plant. And we helped weld everything and assemble everything and watch it go through paint. And now there's about like six carts laying around. And that wasn't (laughs) the only thing we helped design too. We like designed a jig to help assemble like a heavy hutch. So before this hutch was assembled on a workbench, but in order to assemble the hutch, properly, you need to get underneath the hutch and there shouldn't be a workbench interfering. So we actually created like a cart where you can place the hutch on top and the operator can actually go underneath the hutch and do everything he needs to do. And then we created like tool holders in that cart as well. And it just was really cool. Like as interns, we were so creative because we came from just school and all these projects we had to do. So we were really excited that we got an opportunity to implement something that employees use every day. It was way more rewarding than doing something for school and getting graded on it and then it not being implemented anywhere. Yeah. So then like moving on to SPD then proper, when you're working at Stanley Black & Decker full time, did you work on anything 
interesting. What kind of projects were you working on first? Yeah, so when I first started, because of my intern experience with designing fixtures and carts, I kind of thought I wanted to go the same route for my continuous improvement engineer role. So I redesigned a tabletop, which decreased the changeover from like four minutes to about two seconds. And that sounds like a crazy change. But before we were bending material on that press break and the tabletop had to be removed in order for us to bend bigger parts. So what I did was I actually created that tabletop to be like a push-pull lever. So anytime you wanted to get rid of the tabletop, you just pushed a lever and the tabletop would go down and it wouldn't interfere. So now you can bend bigger parts. But previously, what the operators had to do was actually unscrew like eight bolts and carry that tabletop over to another location and bend their parts. So it was kind of crazy to decrease a changeover from four minutes to about like two seconds. But that's the route I went. And that was also rewarding to see them using it. It's used every day. We have the engineering drawings just in case we ever want to replace it. So then... Uh, As an intern, I was never invited to Gamba Walks, but as a full-time, I'm at Gamba Walks every day. In case people don't know, what what is a Gamba Walk? So a Gamba Walk is kind of like a team meeting where you gather on your production floor and you hit all the departments within your plant and you ask them, what are your issues in your department? What machines are down? What are some problems you're having? It's kind of like a team meeting where you discuss all the problems you're having and you just gain knowledge from that meeting and go back to your office and see how you can fix it. And that's a chance for all the supervisors to make sure they're in sequence so that we get product out the door on time. So if one department is falling far behind, then the other department will essentially give their employees up to go work in the other department just so they can catch up. Interesting. So yeah, so what were you doing during your uh, doing your walks? So one of the issues that was brought up during our walks was we had a bottleneck in our detail fab department because we were constantly running out of raw material. So we start with um, blank sheet metal and create it into a variety of sheet metal parts. So we were just running out of that material because we would go up to the racks and see no inventory, which means we would have to backtrack and punch more parts. And then the bend process would be just waiting around for their jobs. So what I did was I identified that as our bottleneck. So I created a visual management system for all five turret machines by implementing a Kanban system for over 300 parts in DetailFab. So each turret machine has a Kanban board next to their machine with the parts they are responsible for replenishing. The system was designed to assure a minimum of four-week on-hand inventory by collecting individual annual demand data and lead time, and I considered a safety stock, et cetera. So we created like a two-bin system. So you go up to an inventory, you grab from one stack of inventory, you pull a Kanban card, it goes into a Kanban mailbox, and then the operators and team leads are trained to grab that card go back to their workstation and replenish as necessary. Cool. And uh, what are you guys making? Probably Uh, should have asked first. uh, (laughs) That is important. So here at Lista, we are making 
just a modular storage solution with drawer cabinets. So you can order a cabinet the size of a, like a small box, or you can order a cabinet that's huge. We take a lot of custom orders and we also make storage walls and workbenches. So it's basically storage solutions. A lot of maintenance buys our product. A lot of laboratories buys our product. So that's basically what we make, just a cabinet that's a wide variety of uses. Right. So then you're saying you're making that custom or like making it to order has got to be a lot harder to organize than something like stocking just in time or having standing stock. So how do you organize all these different moving parts and different moving materials across your, your floor? So we have over 300 Kanban parts. We call them Kanban oh because they're high runners. Seems like a big number, but we have about 15,000 parts running through that detail fab department. So 300 out of that 15,000 parts is considered Kanban. Mm. So the way we're storing them is just on big racks. They're 18 feet high on pallets and labeling those racks with a location. And we have Kanban cards associated with them. We still don't 100% trust how we're doing it just because we know there's a better way. But it's what we have now. It's what works for us. But we definitely want to basically redo our whole Kanban system in the future. So right now, if it's all paper cards, right, how do you design something like that that's going to be used by, you know, every single person multiple times a day? Like that's got to be, you know, a real beast to design, right? Right. Yeah. So since we have over 300 parts, every part is a two-bin system. So we have about 600 cards out on our floor. And keep in mind, all these operators are trained on how to use our Kanban system. So there's multiple touches a day on that Kanban card. So all it takes is for one operator to misplace that card and our whole Kanban system is ruined. So when I got involved in the Tulip, it just changed my whole mindset of why did I not go the digital route? Because <laughs> if we see that an employee didn't trigger a card, we can see it from our end in our offices and we can basically address it. But we have a lot going on in the office as well. And the supervisors are all over the place. We can't be looking over the operator's shoulder, making sure that he takes that Kanban card and puts it in a mailbox. But if it was something electronic and we see that that part hasn't been triggered, but on its inventory, it's getting low, then that's when we can basically address the issue and figure out who exactly was responsible for triggering that card electronically. Right, right. So then like, does that change from paper cards and gigantic pegboards to screens and tablets? Or like, how do you have specific shop riders kind of electronically? Yeah, so my idea would just be to completely get rid of the cards, get rid of the boards. And this was my first project as a full-time engineer. And obviously, I'm a little bit hard on myself because I know I could have made it better, but this was before I was introduced to Tulip. And I heard someone say, don't be hard on yourself. You need to do it on paper before you can transform it electronically, which made me feel a little bit better. But I would essentially just have a tablet next to the rack. And every time someone pulls inventory, they go up to that tablet and basically take it off the inventory. And then those machines would then get a notification that inventory was triggered. 
and they would see the exact quantity. So as soon as that quantity hits a certain point, then that part would get flagged red, meeting a needs replenishment. So it's a lot simpler, a lot more visual, something that we can control because controlling something through paper is very tough, especially if you're a very busy manufacturing plant and you have five different departments and 15,000 parts flowing through. Electronic is definitely the way to go. Right. So if, I mean, if electronics a lot easier, right, then hopefully you're going to expect a lot of more people to start adopting this as, you know, more tech savvy and internet savvy people come through the workplace. But have you got any pushback on this? Have you got any like resistance from the floor as you're like implementing these kind of things? Yeah. So I'll talk about something that I have not gotten resistance from, Mm. which kind of inspired me to keep building on that project. So currently our plant is scheduled on paper schedules. So you come in the day and they'll give you a sheet of paper, basically says week 16, day one. These are all the jobs you're responsible for. Here are all the quantities you need to do. It's um, printed through SAP. So we schedule through SAP P10. So the operators then take their paper schedule and bring them to their workstation They do their job. Every time they complete a job, they'll cross it off manually with a pen, highlighter, and put a signature next to it. Now, like I said, 15,000 parts flowing through that one department. How do you keep track when you schedule on paper? So I built an application in Tulip that allows operators to access their daily schedule electronically. So the detail fab department actually became the first department in the plant to eliminate the paper schedules and turn to a digital interface. The schedulers now upload that schedule from SAP to a TULIP table. So the operators can then come in every day onto their workstation, log into their TULIP app with their badge IDs, identify the week and the day they're working on. And right there is their schedule of everything they have to do. So now they can choose their job and it brings them to a description. Here's what you need to do. Here's the job quantity, the material description, the type of gauge it is. They start the job, basically complete the quantity they need to complete. And then they stop the job and have to put in the quantity they completed. So if the job called for 16 and you completed 16, then the job goes into a complete status. If you completed 14 out of the 16 parts, the job is incomplete. So having two shifts, it's very helpful because now second shift can come in and say, hey, Sophia didn't do two parts out of that job, probably because we were waiting for those parts and we couldn't find them in the flat. So now that other employee on second shift can finish that job. So that's the visibility we didn't have when we had paper schedules. I also created an application for the supervisors to have insight and transparency to real-time data. So total number of completed parts, total number of incomplete parts, total number of in-process parts. And they can also have a visual to the daily percent completion that is captured in that department. So during Gamba meetings, Detail Fab can say, hey, we're 50% complete because we're still waiting on 200 more parts to be bent in Detail Fab. So that's the kind of visibility we have now. 
Neat. So what are you doing next? Like, what's your next exciting project or thing you're working on? Yeah. So with that being said, the operators have been very welcoming to that change just because it's so easy and it's just one start button. It's not a Kanban system where they have to get off of their forklift truck, grab that card, put it in the mailbox, and just all these extra steps. All they have to do is go to their workstation, open up the app, and start their job. So they were very welcoming to it. They actually find it easier than paper because now there's more accountability. So after launching the app in Detail Fab Bend, Detail Fab has a lot of processes that go through it. First, we punch the part, then we bend the part, then we weld the part, and then we spot weld, and then it's ready for paint to paint it or assembly to assemble it. So I did that in Detail Fab Bend and Detail Fab Weld. I'm expanding it out to spot weld as well. So once that department is 100% running with Tulip, I'm going to expand it out to our other departments the housing department and the drawer department. So essentially, every single workstation is going to have a computer where they actually see their schedule electronically and they're able to work off of it. And from a supervisor's standpoint, you can see everything that's going on in your plant. So my vision is to go up to a digital Gamba board where we open up a plant status and it tells us exactly what percent complete every department is. So that's the goal I have. And those are the projects I'm going to get involved in. But there's just so much more you can do with Tulip. And ever since I got introduced to it, it made me hate my manual Kanban project. (laughs) So in the future, I think I want to implement a digital Kanban as well and start off with a small amount of inventory, not just dive in to 300 parts. It sounds exciting. Well, Sophia, thanks so much for coming on. Anything else you want to say? All I want to say is I love Tulip. <laughs> it is very much a game changer when you're working in a manufacturing plant that isn't digital. You definitely need that digital aspect of things to kind of see where everything is at. So I highly recommend more plants getting involved in how to see production visibility and get away from that hidden factory aspect that we have everywhere. Awesome. Again, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. Behind the Ops is brought to you by Tulip. Connect the people, machines, devices, and systems used in your production and logistics processes with our revolutionary no-code frontline operations platform. Visit tulip.co to learn more. This show is produced by Jasmine Chan and edited by Tom Obarski. If you enjoyed listening, support the show by leaving us a quick rating or review. It really helps. If you have feedback for this or any other of our episodes, you can reach us at behindtheops at tulip.co. Thank you for listening to Behind the Ops. I'm Kyle Oberholzer, and we'll see you next time.